0: at butcherbox.com slash morningcup and use code morningcup to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. When you drink in excess, there is a good chance you'll wake up the next morning with some regrets. On December 12th, 1931, a man was born who would wake up from a night of binge drinking with a lot more than a hangover. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Gilbert Paul Jordan, born December 12, 1931, was an alcoholic by the time he was 16 years old. He was a high school dropout, had a criminal record ranging from theft, assault, car theft, and heroin possession, and drank over 50 ounces of vodka a day. His favorite pastime? Drinking himself into oblivion at Vancouver dive bars and finding an equally drunk companion to satiate his ravenous sexual appetite. He claimed that sober people wouldn't go out with him, so all of his companions and acquaintances were alcoholics as well. In 1961, police pulled Gilbert over to find a five-year-old First Nations girl in his car. He was charged with her abduction, but for reasons unknown, he was never convicted for the crime. That same year, he caused a traffic jam while standing at the edge of the Lionsgate Bridge and threatening to jump was found in contempt of court soon thereafter for giving a Nazi salute in the courtroom, and in 1963, was charged but acquitted of rape when he lured two women into his car with a promise of liquor. Basically, the more he drank, the more he escalated until, finally, the next progression led to murder. Beginning in 1965, Gilbert Jordan began seeking out Aboriginal women in Vancouver's downtown east side, but instead of spending the night engaged in drunken sex the inebriated man would would forcibly pour liquor down their throats, causing extreme alcohol poisoning and death. The problem was, the murder weapon was over drinking. Police had no clue that these were murders. They simply thought that the women exceeded their limitations and passed out on their own accord. It was tragic, but not nefarious. In total, it is believed that Gilbert is responsible for between 8 to 10 murders between 1965 and 1988 though finding his true number is difficult given the matter of death. Investigators would later state that Gilbert sought out as many as 200 women per year. There's really no telling how many of them were his victims. The first woman known to die of alcohol poisoning in the presence of Gilbert Jordan was a woman named Ivy Rose. Her body was found naked in a Vancouver hotel with a blood alcohol level of 051 For reference, a 0.08 level will earn you a DUI in all 50 U.S. states. And while these women continue to show up in various hotels, Gilbert himself amassed more convictions adding to his already lengthy criminal record. There was an indecent act charge in 1971 that was later dismissed, an indecent exposure in 1973, and another indecent assault charge in 1974 that earned him a two-year sentence. He was back on the streets in 1975 and almost immediately abducted a woman from a mental institution. He was charged with a number of charges and given just 26 months in prison despite his rap sheet. Free once again, between July of 1982 and June of 1985, Gilbert reported the deaths of three women at the Slocan Barbershop, after consulting with his lawyers, of course. The victims were, once again, determined to be alcoholics who died of alcohol poisoning, and Gilbert escaped investigation. It wasn't until 1987 that Gilbert would finally attract enough attention to warrant an investigation. He and a female companion spent the evening drinking together on October 11th at the Niagara Hotel in Vancouver. On a number of occasions, Gilbert left the room to buy some more alcohol and left for a final time around 6 a.m. on October 12th. At 7.40 a.m., police received an anonymous call that led them to the hotel room and to the naked body of 27-year-old Vanessa Lee Buckner. When tested, her blood alcohol level was 0.91, more than twice the amount needed to kill a person. Descriptions of Vanessa vary. Some say she was only a moderate drinker, showing how suspicious her death was. Others say she was an alcoholic who had just lost custody of her baby and that Gilbert, whose fingerprints were found at the scene, simply provided the alcohol that she drank all on her own. When police tracked down the anonymous call to a hotel room at the Marble Arch Hotel, they found the room belonging to Gilbert Jordan. A month later, at a different hotel, police found the nude body of Edna Shade, with fingerprints once again leading them to Gilbert Jordan. He was placed under surveillance while police determined if the deaths were truly murder or irresponsible drinking. They watched Gilbert for 11 days, and during those 11 days, watched him take four intended victims to various hotel rooms around Vancouver, and each time, police interrupted their dangerous binges. On a number of occasions, police heard Gilbert saying things like, Have a drink. Down the hatch, baby. 20 bucks if you drink it right down. See if you're a real woman. Finish that drink. When two of the women were pulled away, they had blood alcohol levels of 0.52 and 0.43. He was under surveillance until his arrest on October 23, 1987. Once the public heard about the murders and his prior occupation, Gilbert Paul Jordan became known as the Boozing Barber, the first Canadian known to use alcohol as a murder weapon. When brought to trial, the Crown provided evidence that connected Gilbert to the deaths of six other Aboriginal women. The following women were with Gilbert just before their deaths. Mary Johnson, Barbara Paul, Mary Johns, Patricia Thomas, Patricia Andrew, and Vera Harry. They all had blood alcohol levels between 0.04 and 0.79. He was charged with seven counts of murder, but in the end was only convicted of the Vanessa Buckner murder he received 15 years for manslaughter. At the trial, Gilbert said, they were all on their last legs. I didn't give a damn who I was with. I mean, we're all dying sooner or later. On appeal, that 15-year sentence was reduced to just nine. In reality, he only served six years before being set free. By June of 2000, Gilbert had racked up sexual assault, assault, negligence causing bodily harm, and administering a noxious substance charges. That same year, he attempted to change his name to Paul Pierce as there was a loophole in British Columbia that did not require fingerprinting or criminal check to change your name. When the loophole was closed, he dropped the application. He was arrested yet again in 2002 for breach of probation when he was found drinking in the presence of a woman while in possession of alcohol. He was found guilty and sentenced to 15 months in jail to be followed by three-year probation. But unable to stay out of trouble, Gilbert was arrested again in August of 2004 for, once again, drinking in the company of a woman. This time, it was a woman with a known drinking problem. The police were called by a hotel employee, and after finding the woman was seriously intoxicated, Gilbert was arrested. He was acquitted of those charges in 2005, forcing the police to issue a public warning to all Vancouver women to avoid this man at all costs. He was arrested for another parole violation shortly after his release and spent the rest of his life in and out of jail until his death on July 7th, 2006. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 13th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends and remember stay safe. I'm Devin and I'm Steph and we are the the podcast from the the crypt. crypt. Join us every Friday as we discuss accounts of murder, mayhem, paranormal and all things spooky plus a dash of comedy to help soothe your soul during these chilling tales you can find us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts spotify stitcher apple podcast etc also you can find us at the podcast from the crypt and you can choose from there how you'd like to listen you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at the Podcast from the Crypt. Be sure to tune in and listen to us discuss what nightmares are made of. Let's get weird. And as always, hail Satan. And we'll see you in hell.